is Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And this week, we are going to discuss a recent read of ours, Northern Spy, with the author herself, Flynn Berry. The book was the April choice for Reese Witherspoon's book club, so we're going to be chatting about some of her previous picks because we've read a lot of them. So brace yourselves for a lot of records. super excited to say that we are joined today by the author of Northern Spy, Flynn Berry. So hello and welcome, Flynn. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to Orion Publishing, who sent us our copies of Northern Spy. I always ask Lauren to hit it with a synopsis on our podcast on Instagram, but we can't have the author of the book here and not ask her. So Flynn, would you please do us the honours of sharing the synopsis of Northern Spy? Of course. So Northern Spy is about two sisters, Tessa and Marion, and their entanglement with the new IRA in Belfast. Tessa is a producer at the BBC in Belfast and the mother of a six-month-old baby. And Marion is her younger sister who works as a paramedic and near the start of the book uh, sort of vanishes in mysterious circumstances. And the novel is Tessa's exploration of what happened to her sister and the two sisters sort of trying to survive in an area that is in conflict. I mean, do we need to go on? Should we just leave it there? That's (laughs) enough, right? Um, Flynn, Jess and I loved this book. We absolutely flew through it and just couldn't put it down. Like really couldn't put it down. I read a huge chunk of it in my garden while the sun was setting and I kept saying to myself, okay, when I'm in shade, I'm gonna go inside. But instead, I just kept moving further back into my garden where the sun was until at like half seven, I was finally in the shade and cold. And I was like, all right, I'm going in. It's so good. It's a good clock. The sunlight on the garden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were also sharing so many voice notes throughout the time that we were reading it because we were just enjoying it so much and... Now we get to direct those questions to you. So I guess the first question that we both had was what inspired you to write a novel set in Northern Ireland? Yeah, uh, my family is partly from Ireland and I just adore it. I feel like they shouldn't have left. <laughs> I think we should <laughs> stay um, because it is really hard to uh, leave your whole family. So I, I, in my fancy life, I live there now, but I think I'm, I'm stuck where my family and friends live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to describe. It just felt like the right landscape in so many ways. One is the atmosphere. I think Northern Ireland in particular is just so gorgeous and you have these really uh, lush fields and saltwater lakes and the coast and these kind of caves and rocky beaches. Uh, and that seemed like the perfect atmosphere to match the mood of the book, which I wanted Mm. to be a combination of normal daily domestic life and the threat of violence that comes from living during a resurgence of the troubles. And so the book was just such a joy to research and write partly because of the landscape and also the speech patterns. Um, (laughs) I spent a lot of time interviewing people and listening to things like BBC comedy panels 
uh, to get the regional accents right. And that was just so much fun learning all the phrases and the slang and um, just how people speak now. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's always fun for me to be building a world while I'm writing in whatever way and to really feel like I'm immersing myself in something completely different, which is also what I love as a reader. And part of what I read for is that landscape and that whole uh, atmosphere. So that's one of the things that brought me. And then the other sort of more um, immediate sparks were when Brexit happened, I remember reading that any infrastructure on the island of Ireland would be a legitimate target for the new IRA, they said in a kind of manifesto. And that seemed um, like a very sort of uh, dramatic unintended consequence of Brexit and something that I want to look at in, in a book. So I actually haven't read that many books set in Northern Ireland. Um, one that I have read and has really stayed with me is Milkman by Anna Burns. Have you read that one? Yeah, yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like nothing I've read before. Um, for those listening that maybe haven't read it, um, it won the Man Booker Prize in 2018. And the byline on the book is, in an unnamed city, to be interesting is dangerous. So yes, the city and the time is unnamed, but as the reader, we know it to be Belfast during the Troubles. Um, not only is the, dis the location undisclosed, but none of the characters have names. So the protagonist is called Middle Sister. Other characters include maybe Boyfriend, Third Brother-in-Law, and of course, Milkman, um, who begins stalking Middle Sister and in doing so sets off lots of rumours in the community, forcing her to retract from the world, which brings with it its own problems but it's um because it was such a political time and to have an interest in anything or be associated with anyone was having a political stance it's like the author has used this and decided to not name any person or place in the book um it's like it, it's so unique um and i'm sure it's not to everyone's taste but i think it's an absolute must read there's a passage in it where she describes people being interested in ballroom dancing and how that was such a political act, like you said, to just refuse to be interested in everything that everyone around you is, is putting all of their attention on. Yes. So I found myself reflecting on Milkman so often throughout reading Northern Spies. So it's um, unsurprising that you have read it. <laughs> and Flynn, you've obviously touched a little bit on the research process you undertook when writing this book. But obviously, for those listening at home, they'll be able to hear that you're American. Um, so we'd love to know a little bit more on what you can share about how you carried out the research process and what level of granular detail you, you went into. Yeah, it was interesting. I actually had the idea for this book about six years ago and was terrified to write it because of the difficulty of writing about as an American. And I just thought that it would be so hard to get a Northern Irish accent, right? And it's one of those things that actors are sort of famous at not being able to do. American actors just can't get a Belfast accent. And I was worried that it would be the same in writing. Uh, and the way I sort of worked around that was just to do as much research as I possibly could, mm. both in terms of reading everything I could find and watching every documentary I could find about the troubles um, and all the sort of archival news footage that I could find which is quite a lot actually there's this kind of huge web of material and it felt like anytime I lifted one thread it led to a dozen others that I wanted to 
Um, and then, so that was part of it, the sort of book research. And the other part of it was going to Belfast and conducting interviews with people who um, were involved in the conflict in some way or uh, security journalists, producers at the BBC, a counterterrorism detective, uh, former IRA members. And um, my sort of most beloved interview source who has become a dear friend is Maria Cahill, who grew up in Republican West Belfast during the Troubles and has become sort of an activist uh, and journalist and has just such a fascinating take on what it's like to be a woman in particular in, in that community. Uh, and we ended up talking for hours and hours. And yeah. it, it just that those conversations informed the book so much and shifted it so much from how it had been originally. I bet that was that almost sounds like it was just as fun as writing the book itself, being immersed <laughs> yeah. in the lives of people who have really experienced um, what what's going what was going on in Ireland at the time. And I know on your Instagram, you created almost like mood boards and captured shots from your visits over there to document, you know, this is where you imagine Tessa would have been living. And I loved those pictures because it's really helps bring the narrative to life a little bit. Yeah. Oh, it was just so good. And one of my favorite things about the book was that it was about two sisters because I have four sisters myself. So I really love reading books that explore sisterhood. So I just wondered, obviously, I mean, it sounds like you knew you wanted to set a book in Northern Ireland, but I wondered at what point you thought, oh, I'm going to explore this through two sisters, actually. And I mean, are you a sister yourself? Is that kind of playing part of it? So I don't have a sister, but I have very close friends and I use a lot of them in writing. So I use the sort of arguments we've had or things they've done that drive me crazy and how much I adore them uh, in fiction. And I also use my my mom's one of four sisters also. And I've grown up watching them and sort of, you know, eavesdropping on, on their conversation. <laughs> so I use that a lot. And then I did, I always wanted it to be two sisters. And the first draft, it actually was alternating narratives between Tessa and Marion. But then it just felt like Marion's chapters weren't uh, sort of coming to life as much and that Tessa was the better narrator to stick with. Um, but I, I think sisters are just so interesting. I realized that like, everything I read or watch, I just watched this way up with Ashley B and her, that's about a sister relationship. Um, it just seems like this relationship that is a dynamic that I can't get enough of. I'm not sure why. I think maybe it's partly also that they're kind of like uh, shadows of each other. So Marion's living a life that Tessa might easily have lived. Tessa's living a life that Marion might easily have lived. And so it's an interesting way of looking at like how women make decisions and sort of shape their own lives. Oh, that's so interesting because Jess and I have said a lot on this podcast that we love a dual narrative. <laughs> but actually, hearing you say that, it makes total sense for this to have just been from the perspective of Tessa because you do really become immersed in Tessa's world. And I think the plot, without giving anything away, really benefits from that. Definitely. We have that kind of trust issue there throughout because it's just seeing her perspective. Um, we are just so pleased that Reese chose this because we may not have read your book otherwise. So one of our questions for you is that we would love to know how your book got chosen and how you reacted when you found out. Uh, so 
The Reese's Book Club was so exciting, and I found out in January, my editor called to tell me the news, and we were both just over the moon. And then the really hard part is we couldn't tell anyone because Reese's Book Club does a big announcement on pub day. And so I had months of having to keep the secret and just acting kind of shifty about it. I told my husband and I told my toddler, who didn't really understand. And then it was so wonderful because when the book was published, Reese's Book Club does a pick party and everyone signs on to hear what the choice is for that month. And so I was on it and I was watching people sign on from all across the world. Uh, and, you know, people saying their names and some people were from Ireland and from Northern Ireland who were on it. And there's just this really sort of warm and exuberant community that they've created of readers. And it was just so thrilling to be part of it for the month. Um, I have a sort of fantasy that one day all of the authors from the different months will get together and we'll have a big party and actually meet the readers too in person would be so uh, lovely at some point. So it's just really uh, kind of surreal and dreamy and uh, such an honor and I, I still can't really believe it happened. Wow well that must have just been totally life-changing. Congratulations oh God, yes. <laughs> and so well deserved. So final question for you Flynn. Obviously you've got two other books Under the Harrow and The Double Life which Jess and I are both adding to our TBRs yeah. immediately. Yeah. But what's next? Is there anything that you can share with us and our listeners today? So the book that I'm working on now is set in New England, and it's also a literary psychological suspense novel. It also has a woman with young children, and I am having fun working on it. Uh, I have a toddler and an eight-month-old baby, so I'm just trying to sort of find little scraps of time and pockets of time when I can work on it and do research, but I'm really liking being back in the midst of writing another novel, and I'm sort of excited to see where it goes. Well, thank you so much for squeezing us in. It's been um, so lovely to meet you and hear more about this book. We'll definitely be reading your next book. Yes, how exciting. So thank you so much, Flynn, for being our first ever guest on the podcast. And we hope you have a lovely day. Thank you so much for the interview. And it was such a pleasure talking to you both. Well, wasn't that just so exciting? Um, when we finished reading Northern Spy, we were both really compelled to find out more about the troubles in Northern Ireland. So we were thrilled to be sent early copies from Fourth Estate Publishing of Alex O'Neill's upcoming memoir, The Troubles With Us. It's so, for want of a better word, idiot proof. She writes it in a way that just makes it really easy to understand and get your head around the topic, um, potentially because she writes on the back... I was never the kid who figured stuff out. Mummy should have realised this the day I came home from school, age nine, and asked whether we were Catholics or Protestants, after five years of being educated by nuns in Belfast, a city where walls were literally built to separate the two. Wow, yeah. 
And she mentions at the end of the book how Britain's colonial past isn't really taught in the UK and Ireland barely gets a mention, which as people who were educated in England can confirm is correct. Um, (laughs) We'd say this book is a must read for that reason. I'm sure it's so relatable, particularly for millennials living in Northern Ireland with all the references to Boyzone and um, what was popular back then. But it is also a great one to read if you don't live there and haven't lived there to better your understanding. Plus it's super readable so readable and yeah so nostalgic the mention of charlie red oh my god playing playing snake on phones bacardi breezes when teenage dirtbag first came out yes and i really enjoyed the fact that there was a chapter called way harsh tie which is a (laughs) reference to clueless in case anybody hasn't seen it go see it that's a reco She also closes the book with a really lovely chapter about writing the book during the pandemic um which you know is a is a new it's a new thing for many writers right now. She's <laughs> yeah. a fab writer and I think it was the perfect way to end things, don't you? Yeah. So another reco for you. Um, it comes out here on the 24th of June. So pre-order now and it will come to you on the day. Um, this is not our final reco of the episode because we're actually going to move on to reco some more of Reese's book club picks. So brace yourself. last episode you had just started reading the sanatorium which is a reese's book club pick from february this year are you still as enticed as you were on that first page i am it's i'm really enjoying it i'll i have to say though i started reading two other books at the same time so i had to pause with sanatorium for a little bit um but i'm about 100 pages in and i'm really enjoying it i think just as I said last week, the descriptions and the general narrative to the book, there's like three people that the the book is written from the perspectives of, which is really cool. Um, And actually, funnily enough, from our conversation last week, where we talked about, you know, there are sort of common tropes for thrillers. When I'm reading this now, I'm sort of analysing it from all of those common tropes. And we do have a female protagonist who's a slightly unreliable um, protagonist and, and leading figure. So it's I'm interested to see where we go with it, but I haven't finished yet. Um, this is interesting because I, I think it was our first ever Reese's Book Club pick was The Last Mrs. Parrish which I think you might be right yeah it's got a similar troubled woman Mm. (laughs) um for anyone that hasn't read it the last Mrs Parrish is by Liv Constantine and it's about a woman called Amber who's bored of being seen as a nobody and she thinks she deserves a more glamorous life and a loving husband just like Daphne Parrish so Amber uses Daphne's compassion and good-hearted nature to get close to her and her dirty, uh, doting her husband, dirty husband, Jackson. I mean, mm, <laughs> um, in order to try and bring down Daphne mm. from within and to try and replace her. It's a really good um, plot, isn't it? And there's so not, good. it's so hard to discuss because, you know, the, we don't we want to give away any it. spoilers because <laughs> there is a twist in this book which is just oh my god so brilliant so good um, 
And obviously in the past we've spoken about how we both really enjoy books written from multiple perspectives. But actually this book took the approach of splitting the book into two parts. And the first part is written from Amber's point of view and the second part is from Daphne's point of view, which I think works really, really well. And the second part almost comes as a surprise because you're not expecting for the book to just suddenly change perspectives halfway through. And because Amber and Daphne are so different, you know, they're polar opposites of each other. It really helped like give the the narrative a bit of a lift, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like we loved it in the road trip that we were constantly switching between Addie and Dylan. And it was like, oh, like team Addie, team Dylan, mm. like constantly going between it. Whereas this one, you're, you are team Amber. And then you're like, what? <laughs> Who are you? Who Why am I hearing from? <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Love it. Um, I am very aware that we spent a whole episode last week talking about thrillers and yes. we're talking about thrillers again. Here we go again. Let's <laughs> um, move on. One of my favourites that I actually read without realising it was a Reese's book club pick and then was like, oh, of course, Reese has the best taste. Of course you would have chosen this. Mm. Um, is Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Oh, which is about the simple life of our protagonist, Eleanor, who wears the same outfit to work each day, eats the same meal deal for lunch each day and buys vodka from the same shop each week. She only owns a phone to call her mother once a week and doesn't socialise outside of begrudgingly making small talk with her colleagues during work hours. Until she finds herself in a situation which sets her on a new path and opens her up to new experiences and friendships. And it is gorgeous yeah, and funny and heartbreaking and everything you want in a book and exciting it's um I actually read this book a couple of years ago with at like a work book club and we were all just so we all loved it there was no one in the room who didn't enjoy reading it it just suited everyone and everyone's different tastes because well I think because the main character was so I wouldn't say likeable, but you just wanted what was best for her. You know, she was this very fragile woman who's obviously got a very um, messy past and you're not really sure what that past is, but something's obviously happened. Um, And as we later find out in the book, it's um, her nuances and her routine and, um, you know, her... Unability to inability to try new things is actually like a coping mechanism for her and routine is so important for her. So she does like the same things every day. She eats the same meals every day and um, gets, you know, she doesn't like change basically. And it really got me thinking, actually just thinking back now, how for the past year, we've all just been sort of living in lockdown in our own you know, routines which haven't had much change. No, um, you eat the same pizza every Friday from Waitrose. Every Friday night, I eat the same pizza. And yeah. little lockdown But it's like dish. little things like that where when things aren't stable in the world or you don't feel safe, maybe you start to find ways to cope through consistency and gripping onto something that's not changeable. 100%. I am I am a creature of habit. Like I absolutely love routine and structure regardless of the situation. But yeah, lockdown is 
me and my boyfriend live the exact same life every every day <laughs> even with our like new commutes like it's it's mad but mm. yeah you're right it's probably because it's the only thing we have control of who knows mm. if we're locking down if we're in tears if we, if what um what on earth is going on in the world good analysis lauren but i do need to pick up on the fact that you said that eleanor's not likable and i friggin adore eleanor uh, would you adore her in real life is my question yes i love eleanor would you <laughs> yes. i find her a bit annoying oh okay one for me she i just love her she just she's so funny my favorite quote of eleanor i basically wish that i had her balls she <laughs> says to someone no thank you I said I don't want to accept a drink from you because then I would be obliged to purchase one for you in return and I'm afraid I'm simply not interested in spending two drinks worth of time with you say it as it is Eleanor do you know what I mean she she's so great I lent this book to my sister and she read it we were both like sunbathing in the garden and I got so much enjoyment hearing her read it because she kept like laughing out loud the same way I did and each time I'd be like what line was it what bit was it because ruthless she is ruthless but I I love it because she just doesn't care what people think she doesn't and so another book being a bit more like that yeah man Uh, another Reese's book club pick is the cactus which loads of people liken to Eleanor Oliphant but the difference is that like Eleanor says all these things without really realizing that they could be rude she just like doesn't care and it's almost like she doesn't have that filter in Mm. her brain whereas the character in the cactus definitely understands that she's being rude but still chooses to kind of be that way so she's Mm. so she is similar to elephant um elephant Eleanor Oliphant in that she's um, got an upfront manner. She's a lover of routine. She enjoys her own company. Um, she's, for anyone that hasn't read it, it's, um, she's a 40-year-old who finds out that she's pregnant around the same time that her mother has died. And so she's trying to stop her freeloading brother from inheriting her mother's house, whilst also dealing with the fact that she's pregnant. Um, because she does have like a casual partner who she sleeps mm. with. Again, very different to Eleanor. So I see why they're similar, but she's nowhere near as endearing no and just because the characters have similar personalities doesn't mean the books should necessarily be likened to each other because from the sounds of it cactus has a complete the cactus has a completely different plot to and yeah so just because their personalities are similar we shouldn't group them together Mm-mm. Another very endearing character from Arisa's book club pick is, of course, Kaya from Where the Cruel Dads Sing. Which, so Kaya, for anyone who hasn't read this book before, was abandoned after all of her family left their home in the marshes um, in the sort of swampland. So she has to fend for herself for her entire life. Um, and she's excluded from the rest of the town and civilization so when one day a dead body turns up in the marshes everyone naturally starts pointing the finger towards this strange elusive marsh girl and the book is about you know it explores whether or not she's guilty but also more generally just her life and how incredible it is that this girl has raised herself living in a swamp 
really with no adults um, and just taught herself survival mechanisms and taught herself you know how to read with the help of um, friends she meets along the way yeah the book has a really slow start I've seen so many people being like why does everyone think this is so good it's taking Mm. ages to get into but like you do need to stick with it because 100% what makes this book special is Kaya and her quiet tenacity yeah Um, I read the book picturing Kaya as my littlest sister Eloise because she really loves nature and being outdoors (laughs) Um, but then it also made it very real for me because Eloise is nowhere near as independent as Kaya I was like if Eloise was left alone by herself she would not be able to go fishing and do all of these things that Kaya does I funny you should say like that some people find the opening quite slow and hard to get into but that's almost what I enjoyed the most about this book like it really reminded me of like the style of writing of say To Kill a Mockingbird where you've got that really beautiful prose and it's not rushed and you know the the analogies and descriptions of nature throughout the book are what make it so beautiful because obviously that's what Kaya is that's her perspective of the world it is nature and she very much sees the world through the eye through her eyes in you know through nature and I loved the way that came through the writing yeah and like we have that with the and then it sort of turns into this like murder mystery court yeah. case thing, which you're just like not you don't ready see for. coming at all. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I can't wait to see Daisy Edgar Jones play this, play Kaya in this book. I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Um, well, she smashed the adaptation of Little Fires Everywhere. She really um, did. We know so she, she loves sure a remake. Be great. So. She loves remake. Um, Little Fires Everywhere. We adored the book, but then actually dun 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 preferred the tv show which Which never never happens (laughs) okay so synopsis for litter fights everywhere so moving on um god how do you even summarize this book there are so many like little mini storylines going on that it's which is why obviously we saw it and was like this would make such a great tv show so it's about eleanor richardson who's created this perfect life for her husband and her four children and they live in this perfect small town of shaker heights um but when she rents out a house on her road to mia and her daughter pearl things start to shake up a bit for the town and issues that were maybe buried away and stuck in the past or not addressed for a long time start to come to light would you say that's perfection i mean like that's such a good summary there's just so much goes on like we have Eleanor, who is a perfectionist and she expects the same of her children, but her youngest daughter is less than impressed with her mother. Meanwhile, her other daughter is in a relationship with a black boy who is fast becoming unimpressed with their white privilege. Both her sons take a shine to Pearl. Mm. Pearl, meanwhile, (laughs) wants to stay in one place, but her mother, who's an artist, Mia, keeps moving them around whenever she like loses her creativity Mm. and Mia has a lot of secrets of her own that Eleanor is trying to find out and expose and then all the while (laughs) there's this ongoing legal battle of a white couple who adopted right and adopted an abandoned Chinese American baby which the 
the two families seem to become entwined in. I think that's everything. And I God, think I haven't spoiled so anything. <laughs> no, you haven't spoiled anything. And you've also just reminded me of so many subplots. And also just how much I loved the TV adaptation. Because oh. the characters, every single character and casting was just so entirely spot on. Oh my God, so spot on. We were obsessed with the actress that plays Pearl, weren't we? She, she was just She's so brilliant. She's so stunning and amazing. Um, quickly before we move on, would anyone who's listening and hasn't read the book, would you say they should watch the TV series first or the book first? Oh my God, this is so controversial, but I kind of feel like... You should watch the TV show. <laughs> I don't think I've ever responded that ever before. <laughs> Which is a testament to how great it is. Like, it's obviously so great. do both, but if you're not too fussed about reading the book, but you like the sound of the storyline or you're looking for something to watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime, actually, I think it's on, um, then do it. It's honestly just yeah. so fantastic. We loved it. Um, the ending of the TV series has got a slightly different ending to the book. Um, and We all preferred the, it. We preferred it, yeah. We so preferred it. That's, let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, you should also watch it if you want to hear the best violin version of Alanis Morissette ever i'm obsessed so good i think we both so texted good. each other like living for the opening music oh so everybody get involved um another adaptation which i really hope it will never be as good as the book but i really hope it's as good as little fires everywhere is daisy jones and the six which is written by mega babe taylor jenkins reed you're busy mate. oh my god it's just the coolest book <laughs> it's it's a fictional novel about the rise of an iconic 1970s rock group and their lead singer daisy jones and it reveals the mystery behind their infamous breakup i think everyone has read who has read this book like me will have googled just double check <laughs> whether this was a real life band or if it is fictional because it's so vivid every character is so realistic and the book is written in the style of a documentary so it will have like a person's name and then a bit of text and it's so cool it makes it really hard to put down but then also she can do really fun things like two characters can say a different version of events and you're like well what Love is that. the truth because everyone's got this like bias going on oh my oh my god <laughs> I actually can't talk about this book very well when I finished <laughs> reading it I put it down and I genuinely just sat with my jaw open for Did a little you? while like, why because the ending was no just amazing the book or just the whole. you were just generally blown away just so in awe I was like this is it's just wow. the coolest book and so good. I oh have serious God. FOMO that I've not read this book. Yeah, you need to read this book. Well, one of my absolute vapes is Erotic Stories by for Punjabi Widows. And, oh, it's just so brilliant. For me, it has everything. It's got a grit gripping plot, amazing characters. It's got humour and it's intimacy. 
And obviously, as the title would suggest, it does contain some pretty erotic stories. But there's also a huge amount of depth to and um, to the prop to the plot as well. Um, it's all about just like women finding their voices, owning their bodies, and learning to speak up for themselves. And I just found it a really, really empowering read. And I imagine a lot of other people would as well. And it's just like the main character's journey to understanding why we play so much shame around female pleasure and and female bodies especially in eastern cultures um and how that translates for um women with eastern heritage living in a western country um and for me it like really opened my eyes to like the immigrant experience in england and anti-feminist structures within very traditional cultures God, I could go on forever, but it's honestly like, if you're looking for a book to read for a book club, this would be perfect because I remember finishing it and being like, oh my God, who can I talk to about this? <laughs> it sounds so good. I don't, I don't actually think I realised until right now that it was um, set in England. I think because Reese chose as a book club, yeah. I just assumed that it was American. Oh, it sounds so good. I'm really sorry that I couldn't talk to you about it because mm-hmm. I would have loved to and I actually bought you this book so you I did, obviously yeah. I should have bought myself a copy too clearly and we could have read it like Chicken Sisters which is another Reese's Chicken Sisters <laughs> oh so good I mean this is another kind of hard plot to describe I'll give it a I'll give it a go so we have Amanda, who was brought up helping her mother at Chicken Mimi's, serving fried chicken. But when she married Frank, she left their chicken restaurant to work for their rival fried chicken restaurant, Chicken Franny's. How many times can you say chicken? (laughs) She's sick of the two restaurants not getting along. And so she signs them up to the TV show Food Wars so they can finally see who serves the best fried chicken. Um, But in doing so... She brings her perfectionist sister May to town and then the feud isn't just about chicken anymore. It is a full-on family drama. Mm, we love it. There's so much love about this book and you nail it every time Give me that synopsis. <laughs> so I'm so glad once again. I, I just hit it with that synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we've already discussed at length that Reese needs to adapt this one, doesn't she? She does. She, she, I'm surprised she hasn't already started making motions. But saying that, like, I don't want her to adapt everything. There are, don't there are some, you? I do. No, there are some things that are better as books, like Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. I really enjoyed the experience of reading it. And whilst I'm sure it would make a really good TV show, I want people to read it and have that same experience. Mm. I read it in the height of lockdown and I read it outside while I was sunny walking around in circles. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you not feel sick? I was, a, I was a bit dizzy. We went into like figure of eight after a while. All right. But um, it's about a, it, the book starts with our character called Amira and she takes little Briar, the white child she babysits to the shops. And then she's stopped by security and accused of kidnapping her because um, Amira is black. Um, Briar's mum is obviously mortified and then kind of becomes a bit obsessed with Amira in trying to make things right. Um, and Amira has... She doesn't really have any direction. According to her friends, being a, and I quote, babysitter isn't a proper career, especially if it doesn't have health insurance. So it's it's one <laughs> it's one of these books like mm. I discussed before, where the blurb just talks about that 
scenario but actually the book is about the knock-on effect of what happens after that and it's about race and class and fetishizing and motherhood and sounds really it's really really brilliant it's it's more like I mean, there is a plot, but for me, it was all about the, the characterization that makes this book totally. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there are so many books. I hadn't even realized how many books of Reese's Book Club we've read, but that reminds me of Gither of Stars, um, which was another Reese's pick, because again, that book really focuses on the character development over the plot. Um and I loved this book way more than I thought I would. It's like, I can't remember what period it's set in, but say it's set like 60, 70 years ago. And it's probably longer than that, actually. It's about this woman called Alice who grows up in England and she finds her life just really stifling, but then meets this American man um, and they get married and she moves to Kentucky where she thinks, you know, the world is just going to open up for her and she's going to have this newfound freedom and independence. But actually, when she gets to Kentucky, the patriarchy is even more stifling and dominating than the town she left behind in England. Um, but fortunately for her, she befriends these three formidable women who share her disdains for, you know, traditional hobbies and pastimes, which are expected of women like sewing, for example. And together they become known as the Pack Horse Librarians because they set up their own library and deliver books to people oh on the mountains nearby and in the very suburbs of Kentucky to deliver books across the town and you just really quickly just become so immersed in these women's lives and I just it was it's a brilliant brilliant book it sounds perfect it's set in 1900s America by the way so a bit more than 50 years ago yeah just a touch touch. um you said they're called the pack horse librarians are Mm. they on horseback yes they are oh my god you (laughs) I love a quest on horseback (laughs) which (laughs) Uh, there's one more reason actually that I will talk about I realise we've probably given you loads to think about and but this one it just kind of highlights that Reese does not stick to one genre we've already discussed so many but then her January 2021 pick was a western alternate history like just throwing that one out there wild literally wild west (laughs) (laughs) it's called Outlawed by Anna North and it's about a woman who who after a year of marriage hasn't fallen pregnant which in her town must mean she's a witch so she gets driven out of town and she joins the hole in the wall gang who are a group of outlaws um and then she they all they're on this mission and she's got a personal mission that she wants to find out the truth about reproduction and people who aren't able to produce children Mm. and educate everyone on the science behind it because clearly everyone just is like witch stone her um it's so enjoyable uh i really like the ending but also it ended way too soon like i easily could have read another 300 pages about it um and yeah i really i have this niche of loving quests on horseback in literature (laughs) so it really hit the spot for me it's great it's great for feminists it's got great lgbtq plus representation and the cover is really cool (laughs) it's literally any genre reese is going to find a book and she's going to pick it and it's going to be freaking great it's going to be great so we've obviously mentioned so many books here so we will put them all in the show notes so you can 
have a look at them all in your own time and obviously they're all books that we've reviewed in the past so you can check our instagram page for all of those reviews or and if you can't find it on our page feel free to dm us and we can ping you the link absolutely like me you listen on spotify or anywhere else then follow the podcast and share a screenshot of your instagram stories and tag at book so we can count your entry that way entries for this month close on friday the 28th of may and the winner will be announced on the 31st of may on our instagram at book remember if you're listening to this at a later date then you won't be entered to win the may box but we can enter you to win the june box because this is a monthly competition see you next week thanks for listening